Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon, with Joe. Hi. And Matt. Hello. I haven't had a Muller Corner today to get me in the mood because I'm just feeling so pumped from all the good stuff we have to watch and play at the moment. Yeah, Joe, if you, you know what I mean? If you had cornflakes and banana yogurt at this time when you're this pumped already, who knows what's going to happen to you? Is that your... um? Is that your preferred Muller Corner? It's not. I don't think I even have a preferred Muller Corner because I love them all so much. Uh, apart, I'm talking. I'm talking about the the sweety ones though. I'm not a big fan of the jam mm-hmm. ones as much. Never enjoyed. Yeah, the I used jam to have those one. a lot as a kid, but I, I wouldn't choose them now. I feel feels like, yeah, it feels very childish. I like the little chocolate yeah. balls. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you know what I did have though before this? Uh, just because you know, stop, I don't want my stomach rumbling during mm-hmm. the recording. No one wants that. And, so I uh, I had a little... Have you ever had a nopper? Sorry, what? <laughs> There's going to be some European listeners here that uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. A nopper is a... Where's it actually from? I should uh, I should know this. It's kind of a um, wafer sort of bar. Yeah. Um, is it German? Like a Tunnock's caramel I think it's German. Wafer. Not really. It's more like a wafer, as in like... Like a pink oh, lady search, type biscuit. Yeah, the one I had is like a square. It's got its wafer, and it's kind of got a cream filling in between the wafers, but also sort of an, a hazelnut Nutella layer. Oh, well, and it's definitely it's European on. then. Fucking yeah, love their is, hazelnut. It's very nice, but um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, yeah, get yourself a nopper. K O N P P E R S. Get the noppers where, in. Where are you finding um, a nopper at? I, don't, I think you can get them anywhere. I think you can get them in an Aldi, probably, because mm. it's German. Um, I think we order them from a Cardo. Do Ooh. you? Uh, yes. Fancy noppers. Uh, there we go. Um, but yeah, get yourself a nopper. Anyway, uh, so much to talk about this week that probably shouldn't have waffled about wafers for a good two minutes. Very but good. Um, we've got a... <laughs> we've, there was a Nintendo Direct last night. Yes. Which was actually... Do you know what? There was stuff to enjoy. Sometimes with Nintendo Directs, I find myself switching off a little bit because... You're an absolute philistine and a rube. <laughs> Sometimes they're not that interesting. Let's be, let's be fair. Nope. But there's quite a That's few things fair. to talk about in this one. I think it's very fair. Mm. Uh, we've also... What else have we got coming up? We've, we've all seen Dune, which isn't a small thing. We'll talk about Dune a bit. I've played Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got, we've got all sorts. We've got all sorts coming up. So let's get on with it. Starting with the Nintendo Direct... Is there anywhere else to start? <laughs> but I lost the announcement. my goddamn <laughs> fucking mind at this bit. I had no I idea what to do. Off. So um, we're talking about the cast announcement for the animated Mario film. Mm. I I couldn't stop laughing when when they announced this. I'm so if you somehow missed this news, cast as Mario. We've got Chris Pratt, <laughs> which people aren't happy. With. It's just a mad thing. I will say. I think a lot of people were, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's not my place to say, a lot of people were angry it's not an Italian or an Italian-American 
cast as Mario? Charles Martinet's not got an Italian bone in his no, body. I think he's been doing that for thirty years. I, you know, I'm sure there is a wider discussion to be had about that kind of thing. But I yeah. will say that in the very specific case of Mario, it's been an offensive accent this entire time. Now I'm exactly. not saying we shouldn't try and get better. I'm just saying that this is not worse. <laughs> like, no, no, no. We are in exactly the same situation as we were yeah. before. Um, people seem like, it only seems like, I know there's politics aside, I'm not getting into all of that. Five years ago, Chris Pratt, everyone was like, love him in everything, Guardians, incredible. Is he Mario, though? Is he Mario? Is he Mario? Well, that's the question. Is he the voice of Mario? But did you think that Ra Reynolds was the voice of Pikachu? I think the that's thing is with Pikachu, thing, though, is, yeah, that's quite a different... <laughs> Detective Pikachu's just a silly concept to begin with. Like, I'm not... Well, Mario isn't. I don't <laughs> Mario's Mario serious, up. man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold Mario up as some sort of, like, god of... I'm not a Nintendo kind of person. But, like, the idea of that face and having Chris Pratt's voice come out of it just doesn't work <laughs> I do know what you mean. Okay, here's the thing. To me, I am a Nintendo person, and let me preface all of this by saying I couldn't give less of a shit about the Mario movie. It, I'm not in the Mario games for mm-hmm. the story. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've noticed. Ooh. It's always the fucking same. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the But the thing about this casting, to me, they're like, oh, Martinet will, will show up. So to me, there's a very good case to be made for the plot of this movie is this is a different Mario, mm. and maybe he bumps into the Mario we know or whatever along the way. So going into the Mario verse, I don't know. I mean, it would it would be very trendy if we were going into the Mario verse. Let's let's be fair. I hope we meet the Mario that went to Vietnam, which is a real thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is maybe that's Chris Pratt. Shell shocked Mario. Um, yeah, but I think it can yeah. work. I mean. I will say the car- the so the rest of the casting Charlie Day as Luigi Perfect. that works for me. I love it, and I can see Chris Pratt and Charlie Day as a younger older brother combo. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, then you you've got Anna Taylor Joy <laughs> as Princess Peach. That that works for me. That's good casting. As I was saying earlier, um, I I love the idea of Anya Taylor Joy playing the fear of Princess Peach as she did in The Witch, like pure <laughs> guttural existential cosmic horror. I want her to be deeply. <laughs> deeply frightened of Bowser. <laughs> yeah. So at, at this point, I was like, okay, I can get why this car, these are big names. Then it just got slightly bizarre because the words Keegan-Michael Key is Toad I love it. And <laughs> Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, which works. His voice for Donkey Kong yeah. absolutely works. That is, that is stunning cast. I, and you know what's been forgotten amid all of this? is that Fred Armisen yeah. from Portlandia is playing Cranky Kong. <laughs> <laughs> what we've, is that? We just skipped uh, over the fact that Donkey Kong's uh, elderly relative is being played by Fred Armisen. <laughs> it's just... Um, oh, and Jack Black as Bowser mm, yeah. also works. Works for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've never even imagined what Bowser's voice would be like, so he can do it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yep, I think so. Chris Pratt's I, the I, only I one think... where you're like, he's a, he's a normally a very different kind of a guy to mm. ma- what Mario traditionally is. All the yeah. other voices, I'm like, go for it, see what you like. Pratt's the only one where I'm like, mm, this is this seems odd. Like, and I'm sh- are we saying basically around. if they'd swapped. 
Pratt for Danny DeVito, they've nailed it, is what we're saying. I mean, that would be a very different movie. Um, <laughs> all, all I'm saying, DDL. Daniel Day-Lewis. As everyone. He'd go plumbing for three and a half years to <laughs> prepare for the role. He would be dressed right. He could do the moustache. We've seen the moustache in action. Absolutely, and there'll be blood. Um, and I bet DDL could actually do the thing, because you know Mario's moustache is weirdly upside down? Mm-hmm. Like, I bet he could grow it that way. He with could do three, that. He definitely could. Sheer force of acting, he could grow an upside down moustache. <laughs> I wonder if, the, do we, maybe I'm, there's two ways this film goes in my head. It's either A, a very by the numbers, almost like Sonic Mario story. It's like, we've got to go rescue Princess Peach story. Or B, they go almost the Ready Player One route and there's there's karting in there, there's golf, there's all sorts. It goes, I don't I, know. I want the bonkers way. I think, Just to go for it. I think we're looking at Wreck-It Ralph. I think mm-hmm. we're looking at uh, like a, an homage to video games um, mm-hmm. at the same time. They're literally I mean, they've already in announced the Switch. Lakitu. Yeah, I, I could I mean, see that. Oh. Okay, now I'm slightly excited. Do you know what? I'm open-minded about this film. Well, Illumina- Illumination are genuinely good. Like, oh, they're this, They're not palming yeah. this off on some like, shitbox studio. Are the studio. Minions going to be in it? I hope the Minions aren't fucking anywhere near Mario. Leave <laughs> him alone. I don't want to see him farting and giggling around Mario. Leave The him. rabbits? Are they going to make it? Just, just use... Um... Like there's loads of things in Marrow you could sub in for a minion. There'll there'll be plenty of things. That Goombas, you yeah, exactly. Cooper Troopers, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, do you know what I'm looking for? In the in the space of what four minutes or so that we spoke about this film, I'm now fully in. <laughs> I ge- I'm genuinely interested in it. I don't. I'm not going to say I'm excited for it because, like I say, I don't care. But I am <laughs> interested because. It's always fun to see Nintendo try and do something weird, and they haven't tried to do this particular brand of weird for a long time, mm-hmm. and look how it turned out before. So it <laughs> will, at the very least, be a fucking mess, which I'm excited <laughs> about. I can't wait. Um, so, Joe, that I know you're on the probably on the other end of the section of is that you could be very excited mm-hmm. for Bayonetta 3. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for Bayonetta 3. I've already dug into some fan theories. I'm ready for it. Apparently, people think, because it's a different voice actress to Bayonetta's original first Mm -hmm. two games, people think, right, get this, that it's a teenage version of Bayonetta who is, in fact, the young girl that you rescue in an alternate timeline in the first game. And if that's not getting you into it... Why does everything have to have a multi-verse or timeline? Um, But yeah, it just looks like exactly what I want it to be. I love that it's in Tokyo because they're definitely going to do some mad bullshit with like the Tokyo skyline. Um, I like that now your big powers where you summon demons involve you controlling those demons. Because the Bayonetta 2 had a little bit of like you are controlling a kaiju now. This looks like a step into now you are just fighting as a kaiju for extended periods of time. Um, I am, I'll am. i tell you what I'm missing, though, which is in the first mm-hmm. two games, the, the angel enemies are absolutely disgusting. They're like, they look mm-hmm. like Renaissance architecture and then you punch their porcelain faces off and it's just like guts inside. Um, and these guys just look like sort of green blobs. I'm not as into the green blobs. I hope... Look, I just I want to put it out there. I want this to be more gross. Make it more you want gross. To punch please. porcelain. If you're not punching porcelain, you're not having a good time. What 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 substance on earth do you want to punch more than porcelain? Porcelain's up um, itself. You want to get. You want to smash porcelain up for being so pretty. Paper mache. You I get annoyed punch- by paper mache. It doesn't yeah, have often- a good break though, does it? And paper it's also mache? got no, like, wire mesh in it. It's a very very annoying substance to work with. <laughs> 
that's yeah i think that's a pva different... glue uh, do you remember how like up until the age of 10 you thought pva glue was going to be in your life all the time haven't used it since no yeah and it's because you don't do warhammer every well, day well, <laughs> the smell of it and i don't watch heart attack um yeah i've never played a bayonetta game that's absurd so yeah i don't know yeah i've i've tried platinum before i think you know it's you're either into platinum games or you're not i i feel like I think what you're is saying fair? is you're not into platinum games and, and exactly. you're generalizing for everyone else on the planet. <laughs> exactly. Well, I feel like, I don't know, they're quite, it's quite a Marmite brand of game for me, is what I'm trying to what? say. What? Action games? No, <laughs> just they're, all they're action specific, games. Not action games. They're like, they're, there's a very unique sort of style. You know what I mean? They're, they're very front. There's a lot going on, on the screen. Even in that trailer, I was like, I don't know what is happening here. Mm. I will, I will disrupt your theory, Simon, and say, I Go like on. platinum games, but I don't love them. But mm. I quite like some of them. Smash! See, I, I've I've done myself there because you just I got punched like a fine. porcelain angel, you piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you in the rain like a paper mache head. <laughs> <laughs> and no. watch you. I, it, uh, it's bonkers I that we're gonna have been waiting for this game for five years. By the time it comes know, out, yeah. um, it better be good. I hope for you that it is. Oh man, That's I'm gonna replay both the first games. I can't wait. So excited. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give him another go. But there we go. Who knows? Um also announced as part of the Nintendo Online subscription is the expansion pack, which is gonna be <sighs> N sixty four and Mega Drive games or Genesis, if you're not mm. from around here. <laughs> um they haven't announced the pricing yet, so I'm intrigued to know just how much extra it's gonna cost to get Do- Genesis and 64 games. Do you know what I think is a great look? Is Mm. having an online service that literally everyone thinks is shit. And then going, here's the (laughs) stuff you actually wanted. Now pay us more for it. For more. Fuck me, Nintendo. They can't do this like normal people. (laughs) And I know people will pay them, but if you want to play, not if you want to play them, but if you want to play them like you used to, here's 50 quid for another controller as well. But also, didn't they say that you have to be a member of the service in order to even be able to yeah. buy? Yeah. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah. You have to you have to be subscribed to mm-hmm. to pre-order or to get those those controllers in the first place. Um, yeah. uh, it's just so I, stupid. I'm, I'm not too excited by it, mainly because... One of the games I play on there is Super Mario 64. I've got that in the Mario collection I bought last year anyway that you can't buy anymore, and that's probably why you can't buy it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> another one is... I've never played Ocarina of Time, and that is on there. So I'm tempted for it for that, but I also would just wouldn't mind if they just re-released Ocarina of Time I would and genuinely rather, of up. I would genuinely rather <laughs> go out and buy a second-hand 3DS or yes. eBay and buy the remake of it. Well, do you know why? Because mm-hmm. the remake's better than the original. Like, it has better stuff. And, like, the idea that they're not releasing the remake of that and presumably Majora's Mask either, mm-hmm. they made no mention of this being the versions that Gretzo worked on. Like, mm-hmm. it's just fucking baffling to me, guys. Like, I just... It's no... It's so easy to do, surely. I don't understand. Yeah. I feel like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just not the crowd for this because I didn't... I didn't grow up with those games. I was still like playing on PC and I was still playing on NES really when those games were coming out. So I don't have that nostalgia factor for uh, especially the Sega games. But I look and I was like, I feel like around this time everyone's like, yes, they're all coming. And then you never hear anyone of actually playing them. <laughs> everyone's like, I'm, I'm glad I can play them. 
but I, are the, you really enjoying going back and playing those there's, games? This thing, the Mega Drive section, there's stuff in there that I'm like, it's like I loved, when I was growing up, I loved Shining Force so much. Me and my mm. brother would play Shining Force a lot whenever we could. I would love to play that again. I'm not upgrading my subscription to play it. Like, it, yeah. it, it should be an incentive for me to subscribe and stay subscribed. Not, exactly. we're going to squeeze more money out of you. If, it's fucking irritating. Have you tried to play Mario Kart 64 recently? Oh, God, it is it's a mess. Awful. Yeah. It's awful. It's so not good. It's like whenever anyone's like, oh, let's play a game of GoldenEye. And you turn it on, you fuck, you're immediately sick because of the frame rate. Like... <laughs> the other thing that I think is weird about it is it's like, there's not a lot of games here. It did feel like... You'd gone to your grands and she was like, I'm going to charge you this money and here's the bottom of a packet of digestives. It's your grand. <laughs> do that to you. I mean, she's dead, so. <laughs> Harder. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't pass, put it past one of my grandmas to charge me for games. <laughs> for biscuits. Oh, for biscuits. Well, biscuits, mate. It's just such an anemic yeah. like collection of stuff. It's just yeah. like, we want yeah. more money. For this very, very, very basic set of classic games. Because so, yeah. I was excited. Weren't the rumours that there were going to be Game Boy games? Yeah. And like Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games. I would have absolutely wanted to play those on my Switch because they're a lot harder to get a hold of. Like, if I could... I'd honestly... I would pay that extra money if I could just go play Pokemon Gold and Silver on my Switch. It's, I would do that. It's just insane to me that the Wii U had DS games <laughs> on it. And I know that's yeah. part of the second screen thing and all that. But you're like... Are we really at the point where, like, we're celebrating that N64 has finally come to Nintendo Switch? Like, ugh, it's just, they baffle They're me. an infuriating company, they, aren't they? they they're, make... they're so brilliant, yet so... Yeah, <laughs> it just feels like there's two halves of Nintendo. There's the it people focused on the of... old stuff and the new yeah. stuff, and they have different ideas about how everything should work. It, it reminds me of, like, a, a Tangy and Dombele. Like, they have all the, <laughs> all the talent in the world, but they just don't show it often enough and they can't be asked half the time. There's a relatively niche Spurs reference for <laughs> nine people. Well, if you want another one, a bit of an Adele Tarapt for any Spurs or I TV think, wow. Well, yeah, it's a bit harsh to call them an Adele Tarapt. Anyway. Yeah, that's, yeah. Look, Nintendo are the Tangy and Dombele of the gaming world. We all know it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just infuriating. And yeah, I don't think I'll be paying for that expansion. I'll tell you if what. If you are, you know... IGN underscore you can pick back at IGN. Explain to us why we we shouldn't be angry. Yeah, why we're wrong. Exactly. Uh, um, go on, to I was gonna say I'll tell you what I will fucking pay for though. Kirby you a Kirby boy? Land. I'm not a Kirby boy, but I'm a Kirby boy for this. Kirby in the <laughs> Last of Us. Yes, please. <laughs> it, I if this hadn't leaked, it would have been a great reveal. When this, when <laughs> Sadly, this, this one did leak. When this leaked, but honestly, I'm almost. To me, I'm glad it leaked in the way it did because when I saw that first bit of key art of him in front of the overgrown city, I was mm. like, I genuinely sent a message to to uh, Reb on stuff saying like, I really hope this is an open world game. And it fucking is. It's an open world Kirby game about exploring a post-apocalyptic civilization. Is it for Kirby Fallout? I'm, Kirby New Vegas? Honestly, the thing is, right, Kirby games, the good Kirby games are... Have this like weird status among Nintendo platformers, where like they're the only Nintendo platformers not about challenge, and it completely changes how they think about those games. Like they're way more about experimenting within the boundaries of those places. So it's like if you want, you can get the right power up and just float over the entire level, 
and fuck off any anything to do with it. And it's like, that's fine. Like, it's designed to let you do that. But if you want to, you can go and find the weirdest, most obscure power-ups and find different ways through that level. That maps so well onto an open world structure. I love the idea that the power-ups are going to be key to getting around and, like, I'll need to have, like, the little whip power up to get to this place and then i'll need to suck up this dude to fire a a shot at this thing to open this thing like if it is actually about like gating that world by using kirby's powers it's genuinely a brilliant idea for how they do those platformers like i'm really into the idea um Mm -hmm. i I just think it's i just think it's cool i love seeing them mess about with stuff like this like this is nintendo at its best to me when they're just like fucking around this with their own Dombele ideas kind of yeah just like kind of yeah. slaloming through a few defenders this, and this, this, in this the is that corner. this is this that is... scooped goal of that Ndombele did with the uh, the green kit on last season oh, away at shepherd away at shepherd i think yeah. it was um yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Matt looks so bored by this Matt, constant you, comparison. What, I want to know your full and intimate history with Kirby. Mine, yeah, yeah. Um, tell, tell us all. I'm I'm aware that Kirby. I do not know Kirby's. Is Kirby a boy or a girl or a non-gendered, non-binary Good character? Shout, don't know. Probably. I don't know. What well, what is Kirby? It's just a pink, so, pink, <laughs> pink ball. A, it's uh, the beautiful the creation of Jigglypuff. That's all I know. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Never played a Kirby game. What that, is Kirby? So I'm searching in Google. Right uh, he's described I on played... Wikipedia as a young pink hero. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we go with, a young pink hero. Yeah. Developed by the HAL Laboratory. Developed by HAL from 2001. Well, that's, Things you learn. HAL Laboratory, mate. That's where Satoru Iwata started out. He he had a hand in creating Kirby. That's his That's his I mean, deal. Um... I, oh, I just had a point about Kirby and I've completely lost it. That's okay. Don't you hate you when that happens about yeah. Kirby? I played one Kirby game on, it would have been the Game Boy Advance. I can't remember which one that would have been. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, Kirby never grabbed me. Like, it's just it's just not as fun as Mario, in my opinion. It, but, it isn't, but that's why I think this is a good idea. Because this feels exactly. like it's taking the thing that is good about Kirby and putting it in a more sensible structure. That's for what it. I want. Like, yeah, I feel like putting it in an open world and basically using his mechanics as more of a puzzle thing yeah. than. I, yeah, I, I'm into that. Don't get me wrong. I think this will still be super, super easy. But if it's more about getting around and exploring than it is about challenge, I'm still fine yeah. with that. I like the idea of working out how to get about as Kirby and do weird stuff. Exactly. Into it. Um, when is that? Did they say when that one's coming? I don't know if it got. Mm. A... Hmm. Good shout. Don't, don't know. know. Look at it now. Spring twenty twenty two. Okay, it's not too far away. No, I might, I might give Kirby a little go. There we mm-hmm. go. Um, do you know what Kirby would be very useful for? Um, paper mache because <laughs> uh, you have to blow up the balloon if you want to. Yeah. For some reason, when I. Whenever I think of paper mache, I think of blowing up a balloon and just making like a head from paper mache. Yeah, you've that, mentioned a head several times. Teach you do. Yeah, I don't know if that's something they, everyone does at school. Uh, I think I remember making some papa uh, paper papa pa, papa mache <laughs> um, canopic jars from uh, ancient Egypt. Uh, there you go. I definitely made a head when I was at school because I can remember me and three friends did a non-uniform day where we all went as characters from Hitchhiker's Guide and we had to make someone a head for Zaphod, so he got his two heads. That's, that is, you, you took non-uniform day to fancy dress level. Well, it was like those book-related non-uniform oh, days where we had to come yeah. dressed as characters. I love those. Nice. Did anyone come as Kirby? Anyone's it's not really got book 
As he, he's probably got. He's probably written a book, Kirby. Um, <laughs> Splatoon three, Joe, you added this. I, I'm I'm not into Splatoon, but why? I did watch the trailer though, which is mad because apparently the Mammalians are back, are they? How can you not be into Splatoon? It seems like a thing. The only Nintendo game where I'd be like Cardi would be into this because it's about pure mastery and challenge. Is that what I'm about? No, <laughs> you like you like getting better at stuff and being. I do good. like. I do. Yeah, and I do like. Online competitive sort of shooters like that. I in theory, think, I know what you mean. I, I should think be you'd get Splatoon. well into Splatoon if you put some time into it. And I think maybe you'd maybe be Splatoon three will become good. pro. You should. Yeah. No. Um. Like Splatoon three, the the standard thing looks exactly the same. That's fine with me. I'm just happy that Splatoon continues to dig into its genuinely disturbing backstory about how this is after all humans have died <laughs> and fish evolved to come onto the land. Um. Which they they bury in story in every game, and it's become clearer and clearer that that's what the story is. And now we're at the point where it's like, um, yeah, they're just going like, and now mammals are re-evolving. That's like fucking horror shit. I'm ready for it. I think they yeah, they said apart from two cats, all mammals. There are two cats are that I, if I remember the law of Splatoon, <laughs> were put in a sort of uh, cryostasis by their owner uh, when humanity was dying. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Um, I'm still not 100% sure what this story mode is because they kind of. Is it an open world sort of story mode? Get, or they haven't really gone into Splatoon it. Splatoon 2's about... was more of a like a level based kind of standard yeah. campaign. Yeah, the first one was pretty basic. The second one was like an actual little campaign. And I think they did an expansion that I never actually played. Um, and this one looks like it's kind of delving a bit more into that side of things. But they, yeah, it's. They're, they're cool. I, I really like the Splatoon take on it, which was essentially like. How do we turn these mechanics into something that works sort of half as a platform and half as an action game? Um, and mm-hmm. if they're still building on that stuff with new power-ups and all that kind of thing, I'm into it. Um, but also Splatoon's just really good, and I always play a month or two of it and then fall off because everyone gets way better than me. Um, but I'm I'm very excited about more. Right, I'll, mark my words, I'll try it this time. I believe in you. Splatoon 3, I'll give it a proper go. Matt, voice of cards seems like something that you might be interested in. <sighs> This the trailer didn't do a massive <laughs> okay, amount for me, <laughs> which is a shame because I do like tarot. Like mm. I think I will probably end up tarot cards. Well, Yoko was the uh, <laughs> was the it was the one I was thinking. But yes, um, the art looks really nice because it's still got that kind of like nearness to it, and I'm sure the story will be good. I I am not the biggest fan of when tabletop games look like tabletop games in their video game interpretation mm-hmm. like that guy has got such a creative brain i wish that kind of like i could see that stuff happening in a more video game like easier and cheaper though isn't it it is um <laughs> he's very good at story mm-hmm. and so i because there's a demo of this right like i yes. think i will play this demo and it might be one of those that narratively enough it's enough to get me through but I've never been a big fan of like games that like literally force you to throw the dice. Like I don't mind it in Disco Elysium when you get the dice indicator, mm. but the idea of like it physically being part of the the world. I I like video games because they're video games basically. I I do have to I like I I'm confused that people are I know this is a fairly quick turnaround project seemingly for Taro, so I I can see why it might be a little more basic visually, but in a world where two Hand of Fate games exist and the people who made Hand of Fate don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. someone just nicked that idea. It's so yeah. good. If if you don't know, it's a game about building decks and then 
playing those cards influences real 3D environments that you end up fighting or traveling through. And I just don't understand why, <laughs> when I'm looking at voice of cards, I'm like, wait, so the battles are just five cards that shift about and like knock each other. It's like, oh, I just, I, I it's just like, don't care. When you look at what, like, you know, so I think you you make a really good example there, Joe, but also kind of like Thronebreaker, you know, a really good RPG mm. that, yes, takes Gwent and does physically use Gwent cards, but spins that into an actual world that you're traveling Mm -hmm. around like even if it had just got an overworld where i could like see characters interacting like i don't know it's it's difficult to to be fully enthralled by a trailer that is literally just pieces of art being moved around yeah we'll see it's out in a month i think out at the end of October. yeah something like that it's wild that it's just appeared out of nowhere like yeah i I do the weird thing is didn't i don't know if this is this is the project he was re- referring to, I think. Didn't Yoko Taro said his next game is something really like hard to explain? I don't know how I'd explain what it is. And if this is it, that's quite easy to explain what it is. <laughs> it's a card-based mm-hmm. RPG. Um, but I don't know. Who am I to doubt the mind of Yoko Taro? Um, that's all we're going to talk about from Nintendo, I think. There was other stuff there, like new Metroid Dread trailer, but I feel like we've seen about eight of those already. Um, Considering how if you're into Metroid. how soon it's been since it was announced for the first time, it does feel like it's been a shown a lot. Um, yes. Yeah, it's um, a weird one. But yeah, there's stuff like uh, Nothing else I think we'll cover from that. Uh, I mean... Yeah, let us I'll, know what uh, you thought. Obviously, I'm excited for Monster Hunter Rise. That's basically all I'll say. Oh, yeah. Uh, Done. There we go. Um, there we go. We, we, we had to cover it. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about... June, mm. which is the new film from Denny Villeneuve of Blade Runner 2049. Nine. Seven? Nine? Nine? I misremembered the number there. Uh, Prisoners, Arrival, Sicario. He's just very good. Um, this film's not out for another month, but all three of us are very lucky enough to have already seen it. Mm. Um, I think we all liked it kind of to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, who wants to go first? You go first because you liked it the most, I think. Okay, yeah. I absolutely love this film. I thought it was spectacular. I thought it's maybe the loudest film I've ever seen in a cinema. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's... Because I think the cinema itself was just very loud, but just Hans Zimmer on this score is having an absolute blast. Hans he Zimmer's is, gone, he gone for it. He's gone full Johnny Greenwood. He's just mm-hmm. like it's, yeah. it's just noise. It's, yeah. Like I think you put I think but you I said straight it. afterwards like the the soundtrack has almost no melodies. It's just like yelping. Yeah. And I love it for <laughs> yeah. it. Like I think it suits it so well, but I like cuz Zimmer's you can quite often just listen to a Zimmer score and just go, oh, it's a Zimmer score. Like He's got all of the signature yeah. motifs that he does. This is like nothing I've ever heard him compose before. And mm. yeah. You know, it. if anybody doesn't know what Dune is, it's of it's it's you know set on a desert planet, which is very you know it's a big oppressive sci-fi, and I think it's a soundtrack that meets that kind of oppressive nature like really really well. It's yeah, like you said, it's kind of got that almost there will be blood sort of um, just constant like drone, yeah. mm-hmm. but even louder. It's got lots of chanting. It's got lots of bagpipes. That's it's it. Got the only melody. It's even got kind of. In the entire film is bagpipes, which is the least melodic musical instrument <laughs> in the world. So, <laughs> it's, and it's got weird. It's almost got people whose voices are like didgeridoos at times mm. um, with the way they speak. And it's also got the only little. It's almost sometimes in the battle theme, uh, battle theme 
got little bits of his Wonder Woman, like <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that in it as well. Um, it's just an incredible score. And I thought it was an incredible film. I will preface, and I know this is what's going to be the crux, I think, of especially Joe's... Uh, I, would, I don't want to say disappointment, but no. maybe things he didn't like so much about the film, is that it is very much a part one. Yeah. And I think you have to go into this film prepared with that, because if you're expecting a full story here... You're not going to get it. I think it does have a... Personally, I think it has a good endpoint. I feel like there's a big narrative beat with the main character, Timothy Chalamet's Paul, which I think is a big signifying moment for that character. And I will also preface this by knowing uh, by saying I've never watched Dune before. I've never read the books before. So this is the first time I've seen the, the full Dune story. I kind of knew rough beats before. So not knowing what happens next, it didn't feel too an unnatural place for it to stop for me. Um, but I just, I just loved it. The sense of scale of mm. this film is unbelievable. I don't think I've seen like spaceships and just planets and machines and just creatures. Just the sense of scale is unbelievable. Like I know it's, uh, you know, it's the wanky thing to say, but mm. do watch this film in a cinema. If the oh, first God, time yeah. you watch this film is on like an iPad, it it won't work. Yeah, I yeah. So I will I will start by with my positive side of stuff, which is the scale and the the visual element of it is what I love the most. Um, mm. Like, just, you know those bits in Arrival where you see, like, those long mm. shots of the alien craft sitting across yep. different bits of Earth? Like, that's like a quarter of this movie, and it's fucking brilliant. Like, I love seeing all these weirdly designed ships. Like, some of it looks straight Destiny. Some of it looks like... Uh, I think Matt, you brought up like some of the Giga-esque elements that mm-hmm. might have been in the Jodorowsky Dune, and like there is there is so much visual stuff to just salivate over. And I think particularly the first the first half of the film is what I enjoyed the most, and like it matches this because Dune starts with quite a lot of sort of fairly quiet like political intrigue, like it's kind of setting up who these different forces are what their relationships to each other would be and then this like absent emperor figure who's who definitely has something to do with the rest of the plot and it could be quite self-contained so the way Villeneuve gets your interest is by just every so often there's a honking great fucking spaceship that comes down you're like yes please (laughs) that is the best way to show like how far-reaching the power of these different houses are within the Dune universe. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I, I, so I did go in knowing that this was a part one, and I don't feel like it lives up to... I don't feel like... It, it doesn't feel like a, sing, a a finished movie to me. Like, not in a... It's unfinished... It just does, It feels like it just stops, it, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And, like, I think the second half slows down a lot, and then you expect that slowdown to be in service of maybe a pacier ending and it just doesn't get there. And I kind of, I kind of came out of it just being like, I almost wish I had just waited several more years so I could watch both parts together. Um, Like it just, it it, it just didn't, it didn't satisfy me story-wise. So I got all the Villeneuve like spectacle I wanted and it has so much and more of what like, Blade Runner and Arrival promise about his vision of a sci-fi mm. universe. But yeah, in terms of like what I got out of that that tale, 
I, I just didn't feel like it got there for me. Mm-hmm. But Matt, you're somewhere in between. Yeah, us, maybe? yeah, kind of like I I liked it a hell of a lot. Like mm. I re- it, and so Dune is one of my favorite novels. Um, I you know like I admire that book a lot. It was really nice to finally get like what I thought that book looks like on mm. screen, which is something that I think if you if you feel similarly about the book, you might have watched these trailers and thought it doesn't look quite what I thought it would. And I think that's because the trailers have hidden a lot of the most interesting parts of this film. Um, some of the costume design is full on fuck weird. <laughs> like it's yes. so good. Because yeah. the stuff that we've seen in the trailer is almost very... It's just people wearing kind of like... A lot of the still suits, which are the kind of like the desert suits that people wear, but a lot of very standard-looking military kind of folks. Um, some of the stuff when like you get to see the Imperium turn up and they've got like... I'm not going to say what these look like because it's best just to go in without knowing, but know that it's it's weird. And you mentioned, Kari, that you were quite surprised about how scary some of the stuff is. Well, yeah, like I thought some of the imagery was even like there's certainly one or two scenes. I was like, this looks like Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, like, I'd love yeah. Uh, a science fiction Bloodborne with that kind of aesthetic. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like the Harkonnens are, are, are realized so well, and kind of Baron Harkonnen, who's kind of like the principal kind of villain of the story. Mm-hmm. Is it's Stellan Skarsgård, and he's absolutely fucking disgusting in the yeah. best way possible. Um, it, it feels like um, what I really liked about. So I I have read, well, no, I've listened to some of Dune, and then I really hated the audiobook adaptation I was listening to, so I stopped. Um, but what I really like about Villeneuve's vision for these things, and what I think he captures really well about it, is. This idea that like these are humans, but they've gotten to a point at which they are essentially aliens to us. Mm-hmm. And I think he really captures that idea that these are like branching versions of the same species to some extent. And I yeah. think like the mm-hmm. the level to which he gets to with that side of things is so cool. Like it's it's really exciting. Yeah. I I Yeah, I loved it so much. And maybe part of it is just I've been look like it's been a long time. Like I've been I've been to cinema two or three times. In the last year, like since things have started opening up again, this felt like the first time I was like, I'm seeing something in the cinema that is. So I still haven't seen Shang-Chi, which I think a lot of people had with that. Just seeing like mad, like mad, just really incredible to look at action on a screen. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that was this. And like it has, we're not going to spoil this film at all just because it's not out for a month and we'll probably revisit it in a month when other people have seen mm. it and maybe do a little bit of spoiler chat. But one, there's a, my surprise people there's a battle scene in this film um but one way to always get me and my spine will always tingle if you have a scene where someone leads people towards some opposing troops and just like <laughs> shouts and charges and runs at them that will always get my spine to and it has one of those so i was sold from that point on mm, yeah, very I just... uh ride of the Rahiram kind of element mm. to that mm-hmm. i just thought i just thought all the actors were brilliant like I'm not the world's biggest Jason Momoa fan. He's really good in this. I think like this is his perfect role. He's kind of like a big brother sort of role to Timothy Chalamet, who's also brilliant. I I I like Timothy Chalamet a lot, and uh, I don't know because I don't have the preconceptions of what the character Paul is like. I've only ever seen him as um, what's his man? What's his name from Twin Peaks? Carl Clacklin. Um, which does yeah. I feel like there is a certain amount of finding a modern day kind of slight Carl McLachlan element yeah. to that casting. Um, but Timmy Shallow works because he's kind of like 
he can play that like he, he looks quite young i know he is quite young but he looks very young i that i will say works. i thought Timothy chalamet was boring as fuck in that role um uh, like I, I think I, I like i think he looks right i just i didn't i thought the performance was was very dull <laughs> i didn't it didn't anchor it for me it's not a dialogue heavy film to be quite fair there's not no. a lot for a, a film that's Two and a half hours at least. There's not a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Um, it's because there's, there's too many spaceships of... to look at, which is great. <laughs> Bagpipes and spaceships. Yeah. Uh, that is what the tagline should be. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I loved it. Um, my kind of like where I then come between you and Joe is I agree with Joe that um, like it's not got a three act structure because it literally ends at the mm-hmm. midpoint of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas kind of like for example, kind of films like like Lord of the Rings, which obviously is split in small parts, but each of those stories is written as a three act structure. Um, Dune doesn't have that and going in I had no idea where they choose in the book to finish it I sort of and I know that this is not something you can do commercially I would much rather have gone into that cinema for four hours and had the entire story told rather than waiting to have like a a five hour version of the same story I think they could have sped the pacing up a little bit and got all of the story done in a shorter film mm-hmm. i i it also like, like if the you second part sorry I, I i also think it's hard yeah i can't really say it without spoiling stuff for people i don't know i think there's a point where you could end on you could extend the length of what that thing was and have a really interesting uh like origin story mm-hmm. and end at a way more impactful cliffhanger and I would have probably enjoyed it more, despite knowing that I was being told way less of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I hope he gets the mate part too, at least, because I don't think that's actually confirmed to be in production. <laughs> no. So uh, hopefully he does get to make that. It, um, it, apparently, it, I think... It does literally read... open with the words part one, so it feels one, very yeah. confident that they're going to yeah. get there. You, you'd, you'd like to imagine he does. Um, yeah. Apparently, I read... I think I read recently that he said part two is the rest of book one and also the whole of book two. Um, no, I think he said that... he wants to do book two, which is Doom yeah. Messiah, which I sort of feel you need to because there are certain plot elements that happen in the first book that don't necessarily feel completely paid off until you've read Doom mm. Messiah as well. So I think that's a good idea, but it wouldn't surprise me if film two has elements of book two yeah, in it. Yeah, kind of mix and match a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Uh, June is out yeah, in a month, so I'm sorry if, you, if you're excited. You have to wait a bit longer, but... Um, yeah, I, I just do see it at the cinema if you have the like, chance. No matter uh, how negative I sound, I'm only negative with regards to Cardi's level of love. I still think this is a really good film and one very much worth watching. And I think I think whatever your opinion on it, you'll come out with something interesting to say and to yeah. think about. Like, it's not a dull movie by any yeah. means. So. Apart from that, uh, <laughs> that when we were watching it, that family of three or three euros in front of us that just left an hour in because the music was so loud. Was, it, one was it an hour? I thought it was even less than an hour in. It like, might have been less. It yeah. was... Yeah, probably like 40 minutes or so. It was quite... To be fair, I think the kid wasn't that old, so they might have just been scared well, also. Does, were they, like we does said, feel weird bringing a family of three to a press screening? Like, <laughs> but, I don't you know. know. Also, did, was it definitely because of the music? Were they doing something that indicated they didn't like the sound? Or? I don't know. It was during the very loud bit they, they left. So I've just... Mm-hmm. It, it's funny in my, in my head if, if, it was, if it was because it was too loud. It may be because there was some quite... yeah frightening imagery for yeah. like an 11 10 year old or something i don't know but yeah i thought it was brilliant we'll talk more about it do you know what else 
we've been doing this week. Well, I didn't actually. I did it last week or the week before. I can't remember now. I got to play an hour and a half of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the upcoming game from Eidos Montreal, makers of Deus Ex, of course, and the Thief remake. They didn't do the original Thief, did they? No, no, they, no. Um, well, I mean, they didn't do the original Deus Ex, if we're talking. We're no, talking no, about no. the uh, the Adam Jensen. The newer... The, Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and Shadow of the Shadow Tomb Raider. Of, yeah, which is unfortunate because that one wasn't very good. Yeah. But this game pleasantly surprised me from the time spent with it. So I, I was quite lukewarm on Guardians of the Galaxy when they first revealed it. It wasn't quite sitting right with me. It's a lot better game to play than to watch, um, as, as most games are. But um, what surprised me was just how complex it is. Like, it's not a simple game to play like i compared it in my preview to final fantasy 7 remake in as much as you're kind of juggling a lot of characters as well as controlling one like it's not like final fantasy 7 where you can physically just switch to tifa or Aerith if you want to you'll always just be controlling star lord in this game but you can you know if you want Groot to tie down some enemies you can tell him to do that mm-hmm. like all those abilities are on the cooldown you will you're basically kind of playing it almost like a complex like action game with combos because you have to remember like right if I want Groot to do this I have to hold in L1 then press square then circle because you're gonna have to go through different menu screens where it's like L1 to bring up the character menu square to select Groot out of the four members Mm -hmm. and then another button press to select which one of his four abilities you want to do as well Mm -hmm. I think it may and the problem is I kind of I was a little overwhelmed at the start and i think that's because i was dropped in chapter five and didn't do any of the tutorials and i was just kind of on the fly learning how to play this game but i had a lot of fun with it and it's i don't it's not easy either like i died quite a few times when you're selecting like your characters and stuff like that is there does does it do what final fantasy does and it it slows it down to like a absolute crawl yeah Mm -hmm. so you've got time to go through those nested menus Mm -hmm. yeah but you just, yeah, you're just having to juggle a lot in your mind of like, right, what cooldown do I have here? Because you also have Star Lord's abilities. But then there's also, so each enemy has a stagger bar a bit like Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. So if they're staggered, you can do, you can press square, um, circle and triangle. I was playing on PlayStation, press those at the same time. And that'll do what's called a flare attack, which will deal heavy damage. And then there's also your momentum bar, which is one of my favorite things. So you kind of, if you're keeping up doing lots of, cool combat moves without like taking damage and kind of stringing them together you build up your momentum bar which once full if you press in both l1 and r1 together you can huddle up which not only gives you a break because your thumbs will be sore after a little while but basically it huddles up uh star lord and the rest of the guardians together and you'll have one of two dialogue choices based on what they say mm-hmm. and if you select the right one of the two, the whole team gets stat boosts, like defense and attack buffs. If you press the wrong one, then only Star-Lord gets the buff. So right. you're always going to get a buff. But then the best thing about that is, once you come out of that huddle screen, just a random 80s song from his playlist starts soundtracking the fight for the rest of the fight, mm. and it's just very good. Like, I had... like. You've got more obvious ones, like, I don't know, like the final countdown, that's just fun. But also I had, like, Everyone's a Winner by Hot Chocolate, which is just very fun to fight while that's playing. Like, they've got, I feel like they've got the tone right. I've seen a lot of people a bit critical of, like, oh, they, like, oh, it's not the Guardians from the MCU. It's like, oh, this I, argument I don't, I don't want them. The fuck off. <laughs> 
Oh, it's just like, such a case of like, you know, these are comics characters and they're drawn differently in every single comic they're in. Yeah. It's like, get over yourself. It's, I, like, I know the MCU is the most popular thing, but these these are based on characters, not movies. Mm-hmm. Get over yourself. I was, really liking, I was really liking the tone. Like, I think like Groot, Drax and Rocket are quite similar to the MCU ones, but mm-hmm. there's not really a lot you can do with those characters. They're yeah. kind of set in stone how they're going to look and sound. Gamora is not really like the MCU. Gamora, she's almost a little bit more bratty in a way, a bit younger right. than the mm-hmm. Gamora. And Star Lord, I feel like he's from the bit I played anyway. He's a bit less of a like a doofus than Chris Pratt. Star Lord is a bit more in control. Yeah, a bit. Um, That's definitely so, uh, the comics. For, the comics version is a lot more like accomplished and yeah, it's a little bit more like Cap than yeah um, mm-hmm. than the MCU one. But the bit I enjoyed as well is that it's not all action. You've also... I was on the Milano, the Guardian ship, and it has a little bit of Mass Effect to it as well, where I was kind of just walking around the ship in between missions, talking to... Like, I talked to Rocket about, like, he was telling... Like, it was actually, like, quite a nice scene where he was saying, like, how he hates the Kree because they ripped him apart and rebuilt him. <laughs> but, and I met a llama. A llama? just on the ship. Just... A purple llama with orange hair was just on the ship, uh... Yeah, I'm sure it's, there's a backstory to good. find out for that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a mission to do with that at some mm-hmm. point. But don't know, I was very pleasantly surprised. I don't think it's going to be, you know, like a ten out of ten game. But I, I, I don't know. I was just maybe because I was I was stung by Avengers despite playing about two hundred hours of that game. Uh, this just I feel like the back off the back of Avengers, people are fearful that this will be a similar thing it's a completely different studio making it's a completely different sort of game it's a single player story campaign game i don't know i'm just very hopeful now after playing it yeah i liked um, i watched through your your preview of it i really like the look of some of the like slightly more mass effecty stuff but i get mm. the impression it's kind of like it's got a little bit of mass effect but the game grated onto it is it's not a shooter right it's an action game and it's got that kind yeah. of it's not as slick as Platinum from what I can see, but it's verging more into that sort of game than it's it is a, a third-person shooter. Because your your primary attacks are Star-Lord's pistols, but you're not aiming. It's not a shooter. You just press L2 and it will lock onto an enemy. There's mm-hmm. no real like shooting skill to it yet. It's much more of an action game and juggling all those different aspects of it. Those Mass Effect dialogue options as well remind me less of... Like, they obviously remind me of Mass Effect in how they're presented and that kind of thing. Mm. But they remind me more in what they've talked about um, of Tales from the Borderlands, where it's more about, like, choose the yeah. punchline to this joke rather than make a giant well, narrative interestingly, decision. I didn't, I didn't really have space to put this in my preview, but there was a bit, and I can't remember what, there was a thing in the top right corner that said, like, oh, Gamora, to the effect of Gamora will remember mm. that or something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I'm, Yeah, there's a lot going on in this game. It's just a lot more than I think... I first gave it credit for mm-hmm. just first impressions, and oh, I'm very excited. It played well. It it looks nice. Um, yeah, don't know if you have got any more questions about Guardians, but it's only it's out in another month, I think. Mm-hmm. So. I'm I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, good studio. It's a shame that kind of like they can't make the games that I want them to make anymore because mm. I really really want the end part of that Deus Ex trilogy, yeah, but yeah. I'm probably never going to get that. But like, I absolutely right. This feels like more to their not necessarily strengths because it's not the same thing as what they've really ever made before. But I don't think they worked very well as a good fit for Tomb Raider. It just didn't it didn't pan out in the way that I'd hoped it would. Um, and hopefully, 
they found something in what sounds like quite a systems kind of heavy game, surprisingly, yeah. for a Marvel game. Um, hopefully there's like that that combat system, I hope, kind of blossoms and shines over the time as you presumably upgrade your characters and get them new skills and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you've got there's, there's perks and yeah, you can add not new abilities by finding components around the world. And yeah, there's a lot to it. And I'm just there's a lot of talent in that studio. So I hope it turns out well in mm. the end. Mm. Um Joe, me and you have both been playing a little bit of FIFA 22 because the uh, if you have EA access, you have a 10-hour trial until the game's actually out. Yep. Um, but we're not really going to talk about the main game. Joe, you just want to touch on the insane intro yeah, to this game. which you skipped, which means you've missed yeah, Well, one of the most extravagant showings of wealth in games that I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's because I was impatient. I was semi-aware I'm on a 10-hour timer here. I'm not going to waste time watching an intro video. It's not an intro video. It's a full playable sequence. And now I'm sad. Right. (laughs) Now, let me explain to you. So, FIFA, a few years ago, was really leaning quite heavily into story-based stuff, which I thought was, A, bad, and B, brilliant, because I loved how bad it was. Um, The story, the journey of Alex Hunter um, was always always a pleasure for me. I always played it. This does not have that, but what it has is, in service of a tutorial, you have this weird sequence that begins with David Beckham ordering crepes on a a balcony, um, which is odd. Then it kind of goes down in this Parisian hotel, and you customise a character who is late for an appointment of some kind, and then it becomes like this weird Nike advert bullshit of him running through Paris with a lady who's passing a football to him to teach you the mechanics. But as you go, you meet Beckham, Eric Cantona, then you get into PSG Stadium and play a bunch of tutorials with Thierry Henry and Kylian Mbappe. Like, and all fully voiced, like all the actual people (laughs) doing these voices. So Kylian Mbappe's like, yeah, what I really like is uh, getting the ball passed to me. And you're like, whoa, it's Kylian Mbappe whoa, saying things that, mad, fr- that footballers like. Um, and Thierry Henry's <laughs> like really cool. Thierry Henry then, you get invited to watch a PSG game. Thierry Henry takes you to buy a suit. And it takes you to a suit shop where you customize your characters like what would be your manager attire if you bring that character into career mode. So you get buy a suit. Then you go to PSG to watch the match. And for no fucking reason, Anthony Joshua, the boxer, and Lewis Hamilton are there. So, like, they're not even footballers. They're not in the game. And they're not voiced. They're just digital facsimiles of two of the most famous sports people in the world. You walk out to the PSG game, and then David Beckham has a chat with you again. Like, it's come full circle. Like, your journey's complete. And then you play the tutorial match, which is just PSG versus Chelsea in the Champions League. It's fucking bonkers and there's no reason for it at all other than FIFA is so wealthy now that they can just go we got Lewis Hamilton into a laser scanning facility for no reason we just did it for fun uh, and like I'm kind of impressed like it's it, it do you remember the old do you remember skate how it always started with the full motion video intros where it was all Absolutely. the skaters doing stuff it feels like the most FIFA version of that thing, it's uh, uh, it's absolutely insane. I cannot believe. I might it. have to find a way. There must be a way in the menu to like replay that sequence or something. I'm gonna have to find yeah. a way to. Uh, it's just I'm so weird to do that. Like Eric Cantona's in it for about four seconds. It's like how much work <laughs> did you have to do to get a full 
middle-aged Eric Cantona model into this game. I, I've never seen anything like it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's just there so we weird. That's uh, Joe's tip. If you're going to start FIFA 22 next week, do not skip the intro like me. Do, do it. Do not be a fool. Do it. Embrace the madness. Embrace the chaos. Embrace oh, it's FIFA 22. It's great. Um, before we get to an end of the search... Let's talk about a couple of Netflix shows. Um, first one I'm going to talk about is Sex Education Season 3. Me and Matt have both finished this, I believe. Joe, have you started watching? No, I haven't. I love Series 1, series one and 2, but I just haven't got around to this yet. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked Season 3. I think it has some bits I don't like as much, but I think overall it might be my favourite se- oh, really? season of all three. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I feel like I kind of took it for granted the first two series of how good it was season three i just i kept watching i was like this is actually really really good television Mm -hmm. i think it's coming off the back of ted lasso which i've fallen off a bit because i feel like such education is really has really sweet moments it's a really nice show but also i think addresses its real world topics in a really good way that's not kind of pandering or it's got a bit of of dumbing it it down i like it it does have a bit Mm -hmm. of bite to like it has it also has those very sweet bits, which I never really, they never really cross into saccharin, which mm-hmm. is Ted Lasso for me is just too sweet. It's too like trying to like give you like marshmallows and a cup of hot chocolate like every second it's on. I'm just yeah. like, it's a bit too much for me. I, I, I've not watched Ted Lasso. And part of it was because obviously I don't have the necessarily the football thing. But when everybody was like, oh, it, it's not really about football. But when I started hearing about how sweet it, I I can't deal with stuff that's that sweet. I need a little bit of bite to mm-hmm. to what I like. So but anyway, that's forward. why I like Sex Education so much. I think because it has a bit of everything. I really like season three a lot. I I think we both have maybe the same issue as the like the villain in quotation marks, the headmistress in this series. It's just a bit like one dimensional bit. Like why are you are you are you evil? I so, don't know what's going on here. It's like, weird, right? So so the for anybody that kind of doesn't know the rough overview of this mm. season, kind of like at the end of season two, there is a change in the leadership at the school that sex education is set at. And this new character, Hope, is essentially a lift of Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. To the point where like some of the punishments she hands out are so in the realm of fantasy that it doesn't fit a show that is otherwise reasonably kind of grounded in what you... Yes, the the school itself is very much an American high school in Wales, is it? Mm. <laughs> Fucking sex education is set. And there's obviously a lot of kind of things that make sure that it, it's, it can never be dated because like the televisions are all from the 1960s, the cars are from the mm-hmm. 70s, yet everybody's got iPhones. But this this kind of element that the new head teacher does feels like it's just from kind of like a kid's horror book in the terms of things that she gets people to do as punishment, which I think is a bit weird. They do kind of have like, they flesh her out in like the very last few episodes where she has more character development. Doesn't but yeah, really that's the, feels... why the way she why she's the way she is though. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It she is quite an odd character, but I don't think it detracts from the fact that so I've found it like I've mentioned this before, but I've had a like a real tough time like just sitting and watching television recently. It's like my attention span mm-hmm. isn't there. I've been watching like two or three episodes of this a day. I can't can't get enough of it and I now it's it over. All... I think what well, it came out last Friday. I think I had it done by like Sunday morning. Like, yeah. I watched like three or four episodes of oh, it and just got it. Like, like it's such it's compelling characters good. and like 
mm-hmm. really well thought out plot lines and and like that tackles good and interesting themes that are especially kind of relevant today. Like I think it does all of that very well. But just while being constantly compelling, like you feel for these characters and you mm-hmm. want to know how they resolve their situations that aren't always, you know, yes, the title is sex education, but there's a lot of interpersonal kind of interesting mm-hmm. stuff that's beyond the kind yeah. of like surface. Um, yeah, I think it's I great. It all. And if you haven't watched any of it, you've got a treat. You've got three whole seasons to get through mm-hmm. and it's all good stuff. One more thing I want to point out on Netflix you may some people may have already seen it. They may have seen it on the main menu, been like, "What the hell is this?" Squid Game is a Korean TV show that is fantastic. I'm only two episodes in. I think there's nine episodes in total, but I'm loving it. The rough, I don't want to spoil it really, but the rough from the trailer, you'll be able to tell it's kind of got that almost macabre battle royale sort of setup. Is it the Hunger Games or like Battle Royale set in Takeshi's castle? Because that's what I get out of it. Kind of. So it's kind of it's kind it's kind of sinister in that way. It's like it's this in the first episode, like the first challenge these people have to do is kind of they're based on kind of schoolyard kids games, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the twist on it. Um it's set in Set in Korea, obviously, I w- it's available in Korean and English. I'd watch it in Korean with subtitles if I were you, because that's that's the way it should be watched, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of got that sort of parasite tone to it, where it's kind of got it's funny, but it's also dark and it's also tense. It's kind of it's doing everything, and it's at its core about you're kind of following this man who's down on his luck, kind of hugely in debt, and basically ends up in this building with like. 455 other people I think it is and it's basically if you get through the six rounds of this game you can win the jackpot which is like sound like it's like billions of wong which is a it's a lot of money it's a lot of money and but the twist is if you don't pass these rounds it's not going to end well for you <laughs> there's a macabre twist to it um and it's just I'm only two episodes in but it's just I just want to watch more like it's it's got its hooks in me it's and i'm kind of a sucker of that sort of like almost like a running man sort of mm. like game show-esque like just with a murderous twist sort of thing it looks um, great and it's got like a really you say that kind of schoolyard kind of visual style to it with like weird yeah. kind of mannequins and it's so colorful at times as mm-hmm. well like it's got incredible cinematography it's, and it's oh, it just looks beautiful as well like yeah, I can't recommend Squid Game enough if you uh, if you haven't checked out Squid Game yet. And you may be wondering, why the hell is it called Squid Game? They kind of explain that in the first minute of it, so mystery solved there. Mm-hmm. But, Unlike, uh, yeah. I think, if you, you guys watch Brand New Cherry Flavor, something which I yeah. have no idea why that show's so fucking I watched, called that. I watched the first four episodes and I haven't watched the rest because I thought, I, was, I thought to myself, you know what, I don't think this is very good. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I kind of understand that. Um, yeah. You did at least reach the most disgusting scene I've ever seen oh, on TV. Yes. <laughs> uh, if, Ooh, yes. if you want to know, watch episode four of Brand New Cherry Flavor just towards the end. There's a scene. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, did That's... either of you watch um, Alice in Borderland? No, but that's another one that looked kind of wild. People did recommend this to me after I said I like this. It's extremely similar in sound to Squid Game. Um, But, Mm. like, uh, I really enjoyed it. Like, it's kind of trash, but, like, good trash. Um, Okay. And, yeah, like, there's a lot of the same sort of stuff going on there. So if you're enjoying Squid Mm -hmm. Game, I would say 
have a look at yeah. that. I will say, Squid Game, not all trash though. Just very mm. well made, very good. Uh, watch Squid Game. Oh, Midnight Mass starts today as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, apparently that's meant to be unbelievable. Uh, but maybe we'll talk about that next week. Because for now, it's time for an endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it endless search? We've got a quick, simple, endless search this week, and it's it's a game that I think we enjoy playing, but we've only really done it once or twice. It's the Metacritic game, where I'm gonna pick five different topics here. You each have to give me one game each that you think has the highest Metacritic score to beat your opponent. Simple game. Five to play for, five points to play for. Let's get it going. So the first one I want you to think of, let me get Metacritic up first. How about how about that? Um, I would like you to think of a game made by a UK developer. Okay. Is it the highest Metacritic score you can think of? Is it anybody goes first, or are you going to pick someone to go first? Do you want Matt? You can go first. Okay. There you go. Um, because the one studio I'm thinking of is slightly hazy as to whether they are UK or US, because they have. If if you say it, then me and Joe can be. We can we can judge it. If if if. And then, but like. but, and then, can I change my mind if you judge it not to be a UK studio? Yeah, 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 yeah. We won't just not allow okay. you to have an answer. Rockstar, yeah. would you consider Rockstar a UK studio? I would personally. Okay, Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm. Sorry, right? Say that. Say the category again. UK developer, yeah. a game developed in the yeah, UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just making sure. I mean, that is a strong one, to be fair. Yeah, it's absolutely bollocks, to be honest. Um, who has made... Is there any other studio that can contest? In... What if I said... Go on. Oh, I don't even know if it'll be on Metacritic. DMA Design GTA 3. Sorry? D- DMA Design, because they're... Was, G- was GTA 3 done by DMA, was it? Was yeah, it I think Rockstar? it was half and half. I think they right. switch. I'm going to make mm-hmm. sure that's true, but I'm pretty sure DMA Design became Rockstar North during GTA 3, mm-hmm. I think. Is GTA 3 even on there? It is on there. Let me make sure that's definitely right. DMA Design developed GTA 3. DMA Design became Rockstar Studios March of the year after. Come on! There we go. There we I go. Still okay, think, so I still think Matt might beat me, but... Red Dead Redemption 2 has a 97. Fuck yeah, I'm doomed. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 3 has a 97. We're going to have to have a second guess from both of you to get okay. the point here. But quick fire. I've got an idea. Oh, Matt, what have you got? Uh, so I will go for... Batman Arkham City. Bollocks! On <laughs> Rocksteady. <laughs> um, oh, fuck it. Uh, Arkham Asylum. Uh, like me. On what platform, Matt? Um, uh, I will go for the Xbox 360 version. Oh, actually. Okay, oh, and what no. platform do you want? Can I, cha- uh, can I change yeah. it? Can I change it? I mean, it's more well, interesting if it's not the Matt? same studios. <laughs> 
Uh, this is down to Matt. How how do you feel about Joe uh, changing? I'm fine. No, we'll stay. We'll stay. We'll stay. Oh, it do, it think... does feel like he's potentially cheating. It does. We'll stay. <laughs> okay, then. It's fine. Uh, what do you, Arkham Asylum on what console do you want? Uh, Xbox 360. So, Batman Arkham Asylum on Xbox 360 has a 94. Wow. On Metacritic. It's higher than I thought. Arkham Asylum has... Wait, you just said Arkham Asylum. Sorry, that was City. You Sorry. piss. <laughs> Sorry. Arkham City has a 94 on Metacritic. Batman Arkham Asylum has a 92 I'm I think sorry. you just said Asylum twice again. Never mind. Anyway, 92 <laughs> is high. Yeah. 92, I think, is high. Asylum has 92. One point to Matt. That's, that's... Okay. Number two. A game based on a movie license. So this license has to have originated as a film. So it can't be a Harry Potter game because that originated as a book, for example. Yeah, gotcha. But even though that the... The... Those games are based the on the The original property has to have been a film. Right, okay. Hmm. I'm sure I can think of better ones, but I'm de- I've got one that I'm just going to stick with because I think it's funny. Well, it's, it's Joe first, so what, what have you got for me? I'm going to say The Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay. <laughs> oh, what console? Uh, I don't remember what it came out on. Yeah, let me, let me have a look. Da, 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 da. I, mean, I think there's only one option anyway. Okay, okay. What are you going with? There's nothing better than that, is there? <laughs> In the world. <laughs> uh, there's some good games out there. <sighs> I know what my pick for this one would have been, but I don't know if it would have been Riddick. So. I've never played that game. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm, I'm stuck on a blank now. So I'm just going to say, because this one is literally the only one that's floating in my head, the Monsters, Inc. game on PlayStation 1. Wow. I mean, you could have had Alien Isolation. You could have had um, any Star Wars game. That's true. Uh, so, sorry, on what console? The, <laughs> the PlayStation 1. <laughs> I know, it was dreadful. I remember playing the demo disc of it. The Monsters, Inc. Scream Team. Yeah, that's the or... one. That's the one, okay. So Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay has a 90 on Metacritic. Monster Sync Scream Team has a 65. <laughs> it's higher than I expected. Uh, that's one all. We're making it interesting. That's what we want to see. Okay. Number three. Any game on the Nintendo 3DS... It's my first, first to go first. Um, then I will go with the Ocarina of Time remake mm. or re-release, whatever you want to call it. It's not technically a remake, is it? But it's a 3D version of it. It's more than a remaster. <laughs> I know what you mean. What are you going with, Joe? Can I'm you gonna... be Ocarina? Yeah. Um... I'm 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 relying on the fact that people would have been scoring the changes as opposed to the game itself for that, and I think I'm going to go for. Oh, I've just second guessed. No, Super Mario 3D Land. Going with Super Mario 3D Land. So I can tell you, Ocarina of Time 3D is the title, which I'll, I'll allow. 
It's a 94 on Metacritic. Big. Super Mario 3D Land is a 90. Mm. I will say, Matt, there, you had the top one. There was no beating. That's really? Of time. Number two was Fire Emblem Awakening with 92. So, couldn't have been beaten. It was a great shout there. Um, two one to Matt with two to play. Number four, a game published by Bethesda. Okay. A lot to choose from there. Just going to go Skyrim. Which, which version? Is about 50. PC. Skyrim on PC. Mm, I okay. may have made a mistake there. No, I'm still, I'm sticking with it. Matt, well, this is a, this is Metacritic Bethesda. by the critic score, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm tossing up between two, but I'm going to go for Dishonored two. Mm. I thought you were going to go New Vegas. No, too many bugs in New Vegas. The other one that I was thinking of was Doom 2016. Yeah. The other two, I think, that are very highly critically scored. But Dishonored, I think, will snatch it. So, Skyrim on PC, a 94 on Metacritic. Dishonored 2, an 88, <sighs> a lowly 88. Would you say, you look offended there. Man. I mean, yeah. I mean, absolutely. it is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it's, I like Skyrim, but it's... It's it's not as good as Dishonored 2, now, is it? Oh, there we go. You know how you feel about Arcane? Mm. 10 out of 10 for everyone, isn't it? Not everyone. <laughs> no, <but laughs> no, always not high. But do you know what? That's made it fun. Because that means it's two all going into the final, final topic here. And this one, I don't know if there'll be any contention about what counts here. I think we'll be, we'll be civil about it. I want any game taking place from an isometric... Point if you want an isometric game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I was going first on this one. Was it me first? Matt to go first, oh, yeah. Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, okay. That wasn't what I was going to oh. go for. There was one of two I would have gone for. I uh, assume you want the PC release. Please, yes. I'm going to go for Hades on PC. That's what mm. I would have, yes. It would have been those two. Those are the two I would have thought. Hades on PC, you say? Yeah. Oh, does that count early access reviews? Uh, I don't... On Metacritic, I don't think it does. But let's go PC. Okay. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2 has a 93 on Metacritic. Hades has a 93. Oh, you bugger. (laughs) I've got one. One more each. What have you got? I've got to wait Mm, for Matt. Give me those ISOs. Do I have to wait for Matt? If, do you know what? It's the bonus round, so if you have one... Disco I Elysium! Like free for all now. Sorry, what was that? Disco uh, Elysium! Disco oh, okay. he's got it. PC. Oh! Uh, you got it. Uh, Final Cut, PC. Oh, I was about to <laughs> drop in and say, can I be a bastard? <laughs> um, bastard at my own self. Only 10 critic reviews for that. That's weird. Really? Um... I will then go. For transistor. Oh, it won't it won't be better the, than uh... disco, but it will still have a decent score. Uh for what console? Um uh... do the PlayStation 4 version. Okay. 
that's that's the worst one you could have put. But it won't really... matter either way. <laughs> yeah, I think you know that. Deep down, you know that this yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Disco Elysium, the final cut, has a 97. On Big the time. Transistor, 83. It's still a good game, though. Still a very mm-hmm. good game. Um, that means Joe does take it. A well-fought game there. That's a big game. Tight. It was good. Two bonus, two ties, two bonus rounds we had there. But um, very good stuff. Monsters Inc. <laughs> Monsters Inc. Screen Two was 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 it was a shout. We'll just leave it there. It was it was a shout. Um, you never. I really wanted someone to say uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong mm. because that's <laughs> the first game that always comes to mind for me when I think of a movie game. Uh, let's go. Like I said, with some feedback. I think you've got the first one, Matt. Mm-hmm. I've got this one in from Dale Hall, who says, Hi, IGN UK. Big fan. Listened for the last 300 podcasts. Dang. And never missed an episode. What a, what a dedicated soul. Yeah, good on you. Well mm-hmm. done. Thank you. Also, Joe's moustache doesn't get enough appreciation. It's a fine moustache. Thank you so much. I, I agree, and I think the recent glasses edition has really just brought the whole face together. Yeah, as I've said on Twitter, I am the embodiment of the Groucho Marx <laughs> emoji now. <laughs> I'm very happy about it. Anyway, I don't know if it's just me in my old age. 32 feels old these days. I'm also 32. Me Do not too. feel old. I feel very young. I, feel... I am not. I feel <laughs> old because of the glasses edition. So, yeah, <laughs> with you. Anyway, but I feel like with games, yes, they are improving graphically and the player himself has improved so much. But the one thing that never improves is the AI. Before I continue, I know this isn't a simple solution, but it's just something that I feel the industry needs to work on. A prime example of my point is Assassin's Creed games. The newest version is good, but if I I enjoy it, but if I want to stealth or fight an enemy, I feel like the AI is exactly the same as it was in the first Assassin's Creed's mindless patterns. You alert them by mistake, and they go to the exact area, find nothing, and then revert back to the same pattern. I feel all stealth games are the same, and this brings me to Deathloop. I'm around 10 hours in, and don't get me wrong, it's a brilliant game, but the AI is nothing special. Early on, I went to a mansion and did a desk pop in error, uh, and the whole mansion was alerted as expected, but they all they did was get to the sound fastest as possible, and I had around 15 to 20 enemies run at me, and to be honest, it was a bit of a bloodbath. This doesn't improve, and even if they had a difficult mode, I feel all it would do is give them more damage. I feel what's evolved in games itself is, is the player itself. We have so many ways to kill our enemies, but the NPCs, but the NPC enemies are still frustratingly plain and not very diverse in most games. That's why Deathloop is genius, as we can get invade mechanics, and it feels different when a player comes in. It's very exciting. I personally think it's time to move away from improving frame rates and graphics. Games look great now. It's time for the game developers to focus on changing how we play and making NPCs cleverer. I want free guy. Now, if, now if you think I'm wrong, but now you, if you think I'm wrong, that's fine. But be good. But it'd be good to know what you think. Any games you think NPCs are better? Any games you recommend? My friend said Devil May Cry Five has good AI, so I may try this. Also, finally, playing Slay the Spire. What a game! Good, RTS, good respect the C. So Matt, I'm going to let you fill this one because I know you, for the last maybe week or so you've 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 had to you've had to kind of with gritted teeth watch people talk about AI in games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think in regards to Deathloop particularly, we'll start there. Is that um, Arcane, obviously previously made Dishonored, has a very different form of stealth AI. The company is very clearly capable of developing more advanced AI than is in Deathloop. 
so the answer is is quite clearly there's a reason why that ai is not in death loop and i think when you think about the way that death loop is played it's a game about revisiting the same areas over and over again mm-hmm. and and kind of like you know the way that that time loop works the idea of having to contend with like really high level ai on such a frequent basis would probably not like work for that game mm. i think like it's a game about like getting places very quickly and and dipping in and out of areas and the idea of elongating that by making everything like a very very sort of like high level stealth encounter probably doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. work for the game design also the world design these aren't guards these are drunks like mm. the entire game is full of drunk idiots and you can see that as the game goes on in the morning the enemy ai is actually slightly more alert than it is in the evening once they're all fucking pissed off their faces like you can see like the way like more enemies mm-hmm. stand around at night than they do in the day like they move around more in the yeah, day see, right, and yeah, at yeah. night they're all kind of like around like yeah yeah, all right mate so there's kind of like a world building element to it as well but like it is it's definitely more simple the reason why i still give it a 10 out of 10 i don't think it impacts the i don't think it makes the game any less enjoyable i actually think in terms of the power fantasy that Deathloop builds over its arc it's kind of important to be able to like mow the shit through those enemies as you want like i think the way that AI is designed fits into so many aspects of the way mm. that the game works that I think it does work very well. Um, certain, if we move out to like other stealth games, there has definitely been an escalation in the way that AIs work, escalation systems in particular. Uh, if you're interested in this, I really recommend there's the Game Makers Toolkit. They did a, a series on stealth called Fairly Sure Stealth School, which has a segment on about how like modern stealth games have an escalation system where... I think Metal Gear Solid does this, um, like five, where kind of like if you start killing people, then enemies will start literally putting on body armor and helmets so that they're a little bit more difficult to get. And uh, Watch Dogs does this as well, has an escalation system where they'll go from um, enemies will punch you if they find you, but the more you start shifting around that stealth system, they'll start to pull guns out and stuff like that, the way all of that system works. So stealth systems are more advanced than they used to be. But ultimately, stealth has to be slightly dumber than you think it is because stealth games are very much about observing enemy paths and learning them. And if they are too complicated, then it is very difficult for a player to overcome the enemy AI. Hmm. And that's what stealth games are about, are about outsmarting it. So they sort of have to be dumber to allow you to be smart. I thought um, Danny O'Dwyer put it really succinctly in a way I liked on Twitter, which was basically Mm -hmm. they're part of the orchestra. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're a note to a wider game they're not yeah. just a thing in and of themselves and mm-hmm. i think dale kind of like t- totally to dale's credit like i think this is a totally fair point but i think you kind of solve your own point there by bringing up juliana because yeah. that is the wild card piece of like mm-hmm. non-ai you could ruin everything you've yeah. got to by having this person enter your game that feels to me like the the piece of like the exception that proves the rule of the of you know how ai works in this game mm-hmm. The um, visionaries as yeah. well also offer that because each of the visionaries is their own kind of thing. Like Igor is, you know, he uses ether and it's very much about trying to outsmart that invisibility, mm. either using nullifier fields or, you know, just understanding how his path moves around that area. Um, like um, who else? like Charlie, because he's got shift as well, becomes a lot more unpredictable than the other enemies. Um, there is, I think, yeah, it's kind of like Deathloop 
in so many ways has to be judged slightly differently to its kind of contemporaries and peers because of the way it uses all its components slightly differently. Um, I do agree, though, in the wider kind of landscape that I still think like the original Halo set like a really good bar for first-person shooter AI. Mm. I very rarely see games that use AI in the same way that Halo does. It's the most game critic thing, but fear. The original Fear yeah. has brilliant mm-hmm. enemy AI. Like it's it's the only thing people still talk about that game for. Um, but the way those enemies work together and move around you and try and use the space in the same way you might use the space is really notable. And I think Halo does a similar thing where it feels like enemies understand the area around them mm-hmm. to a to a similar extent as you do. Yeah, the yeah, thing I, I love I, about I, sorry, Cardi. No, I was kind of. I had it recently with uh, playing through all the gears for the first time. Like gears four and five, I was noticing that a lot. Like gears is all a. It's a cover shooter. It's cool. it's all about taking cover. But almost every single enemy in that game is trying to get you out of cover. Which mm-hmm. like they know what they're trying to do. They even have the weapons. Is it the drop shot? I think it is that. Yeah. Tries to force you out of cover, or they'll literally just run at you. So you have to get out of cover. Like mm. there mm. are. I feel like yeah, stealth is so hard, isn't it? Like designing stealth AI. It's such a delicate balancing act, as you've and spoken about. The other thing is with Deathloop is it's not like Dishonored, where Dishonored's enemy AI is designed to be a stealth game. Um, Deathloop is very much a case of it's equal parts first-person shooter to stealth game, mm. and it has to be very, very open for you to playing them both ways, whereas, yes, you can be quite violent in Dishonored, but generally it kind of is a stealth game to be played as a stealth game. That AI needs to be functioned as both first-person shooter AI and stealth. So there's almost certainly something's going to give, and yeah. as we say, like in the grand orchestra. Um, yeah. But yeah, kind of like there's not a huge amount of enemy variety in Deathloop, which I think when you look at games like Halo where they use enemy variety to, in- to work alongside AI. So in Halo elites are the people that cause the grunts to kind of move in unison and when you kill elites the grunts start to panic because they don't have leadership anymore and the way all of those different enemy types fit together that's a huge ai thing that i love that i never see in games like call of duty which i'd like Mm. to see cod do that i mean one of the best ai i've fought against recently and this game gets a lot of plaudits for almost everything apart from it's gameplay because the story and everything was so good, in my opinion. Obviously, not to everyone's taste, but Last of Us Part Two enemy AI mm. was incredible. Like that is some of the most tense combat, and especially the stealth sequences in that game. Like that is some of the most intelligent AI I've come across in mm. a stealth game. I think. What I will say, I I totally agree with Dale on is I would love to see people using next gen hardware to mm. do AI and NPC related stuff over quality and frame rate like we heard so much in the run-up to these things from from developers being like it's not just going to give us the power to load things quicker and make bigger places it's going to let us make smarter systems and we haven't seen that yet and i know that's something that takes a lot longer to to get right but that is where i want to see you know i want to see a a version of watchdogs legion essentially taken to the to the level i feel it should have been Mm -hmm. because they have way more power to do it with that kind of thing yeah uh, I would also like to credit Dale for using the phrase desk pop, which is from which is from other guys, and I had forgotten until that moment. Um, that is a really funny phrase to just chuck into a thing about Deathloop. Good chat about AI. Thank mm-hmm. you for the email, uh, Dale. I've got one here from Brendan. He says, Hi team. Hello from Down Under and the beautiful state of Western Australia, where we have managed to stay essentially COVID-free for these last two years while the rest of the world burned. 
Sorry for you lot. Hooray for us, I guess. Well, I wouldn't say it like that. You know, it was a horrible time. Um, <laughs> Matt's review score for Matt's review score for Deathloop got me thinking. Have you ever come to regret a score? I don't think I don't think this is as pointed at you no. as, as it sounds, <laughs> uh, Matt. Um, have you ever come? Have you ever come to regret a score you gave after review after seeing other reviews of that game? I don't mean by subjecting yourselves to the IGN comment section, more like if you read another review that has made you revisit your own experience of the game. Having read the IGN review alongside divergent reviews like the Ask Technica review, it got me wondering. Both interesting and thoughtful takes with entirely different conclusions. Cheers and respect the sea. We aren't a total paradise down here. We usually lose one or two poor buggers to a great white each year. Brendan from Perth. Um, I don't think I've ever had like a full on like I got that completely wrong. I've maybe in hindsight at six months or a year later gone, oh I could have given that one more point or I could have given that one less mm. point. Like I've I i do not think I've ever given something like a nine or a ten and been like, oh, that's a five, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I um the most this is like this sounds mad, but I remember I gave Fire Emblem a Fire Emblem Awakening like a nine in O and M when actually once I think properly got like everything in it, you just go like Oh, that is way. That's better than a nine. This should be one of our top-rated ever games, which is a small, small potatoes. But when you're working mm. within a magazine that focuses on one format, it feels way bigger. I think. Yeah. More, more interesting to me is when you get those diverging things because you come out of a, a review if you've done it properly, you come out completely convinced in your argument yeah. for that thing. And to you, that's a definitive take. Obviously, everyone has opinions. You know, people are going to diverge. But the one that really sticks in my mind was. Um, Journey to the Savage Planet, which was a game I really in- enjoyed the idea of and just didn't enjoy the reality of. And I felt like my review, I felt really comfortable with, I've broken this down exactly how I feel it lets itself down. And then on reviews day, just saw positive review after positive review and was like, you do end up, it's not the, I I, I certainly don't regret that score. I think I, I said it right. But I was, it is amazing to see people who come out of the same game, especially a game where it's like, go from here to here, there's not much difference. Um, To see them come out with completely different things is always fascinating. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I kind of had that a little bit with Mario Golf earlier this year, which I gave it a six, I think. Mm. A lot of people were giving it like eights and stuff. I was like, but I just realized from reading their reviews and reading mine, it's like, we're just looking for different things from this game, really. Mm -hmm. Like, you get that some, especially a game like that that offers lots of different modes and stuff like that. But yeah, like straight up, I don't know. I'm not going to bring up specific examples where I was like, oh, it's an eight and not a nine. But I don't know. Yeah, it's just a rudimentary number anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think like you, you're right. And some people see things and others don't. Like um, for me, kind of like as someone who obviously really liked Deathloop enough to give it a ten and still be very convinced that mm-hmm. it's ten. Like now, fifty five hours later. Um, like I've read the Ars Technica review of I've read other things. Like it's just clear they don't see what I do, and everybody's got different perspectives. Um, exactly. and you know, for some people it doesn't fit. Um, I have read reviews that I think even missed the point or have straight up like missed an item like or a thing that's in Deathloop that was like you're criticizing it for something it doesn't have, but it actually does have it. Um, which. Mm-hmm. Is understandable in a game that's so. Yeah, Yeah. it's such a complicated game that I think it is easy to miss certain things, and also there are things that I know in the tutorial that even friends missed. That was like, oh no, no, and they figured out that. So, for example, um, 
I know the people that have only figured out that the grenades could transform way later into the game, presumably because that tutorial comes quite early when you're being bombarded with information. Mm. And those grenades don't seem so uh, so useful in the main game, but when you become Juliana are a huge part of her toolkit. Yeah. I've never um, used grenades. Yeah, I, I use them all the time as Juliana. They're massive as, as proximity charges. They're massively important yeah. to my playstyle. Um, I know I I quite liked Wonder Woman 1984, and I stand by the eight out of ten I gave it. I I thought it was a great, fun little like throwback to kind of the Christopher Reeve era. I know people fucking hate that movie. I still stand by. Yeah. I had a good time with it. <laughs> who, who, yeah, it's all opinion. On it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very rarely do I have a regret about. Like I think we actually talked about this yesterday, Matt. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest mm-hmm. Tarantino film is a good example of this. Like, me and you saw that film together, and I remember when we both came out of it, neither of us really liked it. Like, you really don't like that film. Yeah. I came out thinking, oh, it's like a six, like a five. I've watched that film five times since now, and now it's like a nine or a ten for me. I think that film is incredible. Like, so opinions can change over time. Yeah, I feel like that's with films and stuff that happens more often. Like, rarely. I don't think I've ever played a game and Spend then played so it again much and time gone like with a game yeah, though, right? Like, oh, I was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I think kind of like that I've done for IGN that like I've changed kind of a thing. Like I reviewed Tenet and I gave it an eight. Um, and like I think Tenet is a really good cinema movie. Um, and and like it's got a lot of good stuff going on from a visual perspective. I think over time I've mellowed out on it, and that's not necessarily to do with the. Um, there's obviously been quite a backlash against Tenet, and people don't like that film. And it's less to do with that. It's more a case of it's kind of faded in my memory mm. to the point where I don't necessarily think it's it's clearly not got the strength that the other Nolan films have. And so I probably consider dropping it a point at this point, but that has only come over months of... Especially when we review film or TV, you watch something once for two hours, then normally the next day or the same day write a review. Well, don't we have time to to really decompress? Yeah, don't have time to really decompress. And then, yeah, a week later you can find yourself in a different place. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's the business we're in. Joe, Mm. one last bit of feedback. Yes. This is from Will. All right, lads. Two exclamation uh, marks, so I just assumed. Big intonation. Playing through the fantastic... Any, sorry, I just, huh? Before you read this, I'm sorry, I just want to say, we didn't get any feedback about people's favourite Muller Corners. I thought that would be a big hit. Sometimes you don't know what will hit. Chris was a big hit. Muller Corners, people... Maybe you need to broaden it out to yogurt. Yeah, oh, that's any, it. Now, any, if we're yeah. talking yogurt, can I just bring up a favourite before we start Will's email? Go on. Yeah. You ever had the Tesco finest fudge yogurt? Yes, yes, I have. Right. Matt, you haven't. <laughs> Allow me to open your eyes okay. to a new world of texture, right? It is a delicious creamy yogurt with bits of fudge in it. But crucially, but. there are bits in it that feel like they're bits of fudge. But when you get them, they pop and they've got more fudge yogurt in them. It's <laughs> honestly one of the most delightful sensations I've ever had eating. It's going, oh, on, it's wow. going on the shopping list. If it still like, exists, speaking... I haven't had it for years. Oh my God, I said, it's the best. Speaking of fudge yogurt, have you ever had the uh, the collective's gourmet Russian fudge, like Greek style? Is that the one that's like, it's got fudge in the bottom and then on the top yeah, it's they're got like normal the big yogurt. tubs. Yeah, you have to, oh. so it's like Greek yogurt and then fudge, like, they sauce. do a like, you have to mix one it in. That's fucking great. They, I've never oh. even heard 
heard of the collective. Do you have to like do. sign up to a cult to get in or something? No, no, they're in they're in like every supermarket. Good the on collective. them. Um, get yourself get yourself one of those, lad. You'll enjoy that. Um, oh. Tesco Finest Blueberry, also a winner. Anyway, Will's email reads, All right, lads, playing through the fantastic Deathloop recently reminded me of the developer's other superb game, Prey. Specifically, the DLC they made called Moon Crash, in which you are basically in a time loop, having to get five crew members to escape a moon base over and over until you find the best path for all of them. This is without doubt the best DLC I've ever played, and is almost a full-length game in itself. My question is, what's the best DLC you have ever played? Ooh. Cheers, boys, and remember to respect the sea. Will from sunny, shitty Reading. <laughs> <laughs> I love great description. That's super. Um, uh, mine might be an obvious one. I'm going with Red Dead Redemption on Dead Nightmare. You know, I've it's never played basically Undead its Nightmare. own game. Never uh, played it. Get um, it. Can, is it on my game? Maybe it was on Game Pass. I don't think it is anymore. Uh, yeah, I, can't I don't remember. know. Play Undead Nightmare. Bring it out on It'll Switch, lads. Come on. Uh, I know the one that I should have played that I never have, which is, I think maybe one of you will say, it, is The Witcher 3. Yeah, Heart, Hearts and of Wine. Stone specifically for me. Blood is and Wine. See, I've not, I've not played um, Hearts of Stone, but I've only played. I reviewed uh, Blood and Wine and gave it a nine. Like, I think it's a. Uh, like they just built like an entire other RPG that's like fucking forty five yep. hours long. It's incredible. Yeah. Blood and Wine is the more is the more like astounding achievement in DLC. Mm-hmm. But to me, Hearts mm-hmm. of Stone is the best quest in the whole of The Witcher, which is a game with some of the best quests ever written. Mm-hmm. And the way it uses the existing world and ties in this character gone through Dim. I'm not going to give it away because if you haven't played it, I, I swear to God, like just go and play this DLC as soon as you can. It's like, it's fucking incredible. The stuff it does It's horrible. It's funny. It has one of the best boss battles, um, like best ending bosses. I can remember in the way it messes with what you expect from it. Um, it's just, it's fucking unbelievable. Like, Thinking back on that stuff just makes me more and more sad about Cyberpunk because you look at what that yeah. same group of people made uh, yeah. just a few years before. It's it's absolutely incredible. Hearts. I'm waiting for them to do like a complete PS5 because obviously they've said they want to do this PS5 kind of mm. remaster of The Witcher, and yeah. and that would be when I go through it all. Um, it's meant to be coming the end of this year, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, it's still technically scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I can't see that. I mean, um, I played The Witcher three at like a weird time, um, so I'd never really got the full patience to do every single thing in it. So, I've played all the way through The Witcher, but got the worst ending because I didn't do any of kind of like the character kind of moments that mm-hmm. help bolster to get a good ending. So, I I feel like I need to replay the entirety I of might, that game. I might do a full replay when that PS five version does come out. Mm-hmm. Um, what DLC sticks in your mind? Um, so if we're talking arcane, um, the Knife of Dunwall <laughs> and um, the Brigmore Witches go together to essentially create like Dishonored 1.5. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really good set there. Um, but I really love the Old Hunters, which is the Bloodborne DLC. Like, mm-hmm. fuck me, that's a good a good way to cap off a very good game. It's kind of got this. Um, like you get all of these prototype versions of the weapons that you've used in the main game. So I used um, my character's main weapon was was the threaded cane, which is uh, like a walking stick that when you when you tap it, it turns into a whip, and you get kind of like the prototype version of that, which is just this horrendously huge rusty flail 
that like you you throw out and it takes forever to kind of like reach its full kind of length and then slowly brings itself together and you can see kind of like all the gore between the little kind of links of it and like all of these kind of big horrible there's i think it's called the whirly gig which is like a giant stick yeah. with a huge circular saw on the end that quite mm-hmm. clearly isn't bolted in properly and there's just sparks all over the place it's got this real like, kind of grimy texture to it and the bosses are absolutely absurd like some of the hardest things but like such a a real reward for kind of mastering them it does feel kind of like the the kind of like you know when you kind of win a race and then you get to do like your final kind of circuit just yeah. to kind of like fist bump like it feels like the golden loop after having proven that you can play bloodborne you get all of this and it's like it's such a good way to finish that game nice i just miss the times when we get full dlc forget especially rockstar like the ballad of gay tony for gta mm. like i just miss those days where you'd get proper like when rockstar made more than one game every seven years yeah. <laughs> basically is what i miss um having just played through mass effects mass effect the citadel dlc was one of the best things in yeah. the whole of that trilogy lair of the shadow uh, broker excellent yeah that's also good obviously left behind from the last of us is uh also very good uh yeah lots of good dlc out there um let us know what your favorite dlc of all time maybe as ign underscore uk feedback at ign.com as well as your top yogurt recommendations um we have to play a bit of june don't we at the end i think that's got to be a bit of zimmer going absolutely mad I'll prepare try and find your parts. ears friends oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god this is is this a new long oh god an hour and 40 we, we do love a well, chat. We, inclu- um, we included an endless search on top of a whole showcase worth of stuff. But we're just... Oh, we're so committed. God, um, we're committed. 100 minutes of pure power, that was. Um, oh, you really made me freak out more? that I wasn't recording just then. It's fine. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right, let's have some Zimmer going mental. Goodbye. Enjoy yourself. See ya. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.